0: Hello and welcome to the Book of Revelation with me, Chris Wickland, here at Storehouse Seven Ministries. And today is the last episode. Thank you very much. Um, this is the last episode of the whole series on this uh, project, which has taken a few years. Thank you to all those that have listened <laughs> painfully through every episode, and you've managed to make it to the end. So well done, and uh, hopefully you've learned a lot from this um, from this course. I've learned a lot myself as well, and uh, I've really enjoyed it, actually. The next step for this um, study now is to make it into book format. It'll be made into three books. The first book will be called The Seven Churches. Then it will be called The Tribulation, will be the second book. And then The Great Tribulation, the last book. Um, And again, that will be another probably project that will take span over the next, uh, I imagine, next year or so, uh, with three publications over a period of a year to a year and a half. Anyway, let's get to it. Um, So Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. So we now come to the epilogue of the book of Revelation, where Jesus himself concludes the book in a manner not too dissimilar, to how the Apostle Paul constructed his letters. He generally adds some personal message and greeting at the end, and here Jesus is doing likewise. This is confirming and adding a great weight of authority and authenticity to the book. In fact, the book of Revelation is the only book in the whole Bible which Jesus has personally given to the church at large, which, sadly, makes it all the more remarkable that many churches don't even touch this book or even teach or preach from it, which is a shame. Now, many Christians avoid this book also on their own personal day-to-day devotional lives. Um, and, and this is a shame for because, you know, it's quite clear that the author, Jesus, never intended this book to, f- uh, to fill one with dread and terror. Rather, it was given to enable the church to have hope in times of great darkness. Revelation 22, 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you. Now, this is an interesting interplay on the Greek language, for the Greek word for angel can also be rendered simply as messenger. So the verse can also read, I, Jesus, have sent my messenger to testify to you. Now, obviously, the verse works both ways. In the first instance, the apostle John has been with both Jesus and an angel who has been a clear companion with John in the revealing of future history of the ongoing worship in the true tabernacle of heaven. And in the second instance, John has now become the witness and therefore becomes the messenger to tell the churches at large the revelation given to him. Revelation twenty two sixteen I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. The book of Revelation is given for the churches and concerning the churches. Obviously, the letter in the first instance is addressed to the seven churches as listed in chapters 1 to 3, but also the churches concerned are all the churches or congregations of the universal church for all time until the return of our Messiah, Jesus. This book has been a sober companion of the church throughout the whole church age to date, both warning and encouraging her. This book, although addressed in the beginning to the seven churches, is a book of huge universal scope uh, with a strong message of warning to the last day's church and the Jewish state of Israel. The book is both timely and timeless, written for a specific time in the past and for the future, yet relevant to all church ages. The doctrines, teachings and prophecies of this book are massive and fundamental to the Christian faith. This is a book given by Jesus to his church and should be seen and accepted as such. Revelation twenty-two sixteen I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. This statement is one which is loaded with Jewish messianic prophetic overtones. Jesus is claiming that although now in heaven he is still Jewish from his hypostatic union of being both fully man and fully God. Jesus is still circumcised. He still bears the scars of the cross and still bears his ethnic bloodline to King David and thus letting the Jewish believers and the Gentiles understand that Jesus is the Jewish king of kings and their Messiah. He is the fulfillment of Old Testament Jewish prophecy. Similar titles to Jesus, um, uh, Jewish ancestry, are mentioned several times throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, A few examples here. Um, and a few other scriptures revelation 5 5 and one of the elders said to me stop weeping behold the lion that is from the tribe of judah the root of david has overcome so as to open the book in its seven seals matthew 1:1 1, 1 states the record of the genealogy of jesus the messiah the son of david the son of abraham Jesus also gives himself the title of the bright morning star and this links right back to an ancient prophecy that Balaam gave in the book of Numbers. Numbers 24 verse 17 I see him but not now I behold him but not near a star shall come forth from Jacob a scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the head of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth. Now this then also links to Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Revelation twenty two seventeen, The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who w- wishes take the water of life without cost. Now here Jesus is revealing what should be the heartbeat of every Christian in the church. The Spirit of God is saying, come, come soon, Lord Jesus. The church, the bride, should also be desirous of his return. The bride of Christ, the church, should be in sync and tandem with the Spirit of God on this matter. The heart of all believers should be longing and desiring Jesus to come and to rule and to reign upon the earth. And this is what Father, Son, and Holy Spirit desires. And thus we, his body, the church, must also desire. Do remember that this is also wedding language. The betrothed woman, the church, is longing and aching for her beloved to come and take her away to the marriage feast. The son is desirous also to come and receive his bride, And the father longs for his son to return for his betrothed, his son's betrothed, to marry her. So the spirit and the bride say, come. The next part of verse 17 states, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Now, this water mentioned here is twofold. It is the river of life and the river of life of the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. So the water mentioned here is the two is twofold. It is the river of life, and it is also the river of life of the Holy Spirit. Revelation twenty two, one to two says, Then he showed me a river of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Sorry, the leaves of the tree, not the trees, were for the healing of the nations. John 7, 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It is the same living water which Jesus offered to the Samaritan lady at the well in John chapter 4, verses 4 to 42. This water which Jesus offers us, through his holy spirit is life eternal life and he offers it to us all freely we just need to simply accept his free gift of salvation and then turn from our wicked ways and live according to god's ways as prescribed in holy writ i.e the scriptures revelation 22:18. i testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book if anyone adds to them god will add to him the plagues that are written in this book now the first part of this verse states a warning to all who hear the words of the prophecy <clears throat> why hear and not read well simply because in the early church no one had their own bible so scripture and important letters from apostles and bishops etc were publicly read within church congregational meetings so for example in first timothy four thirteen, it says until i come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. The next part of verse 18 in Revelation chapter 22 warns us to not add to the prophecies of the book, lest God add plagues to that individual. Now this is a very serious warning and I'm not aware of any other book in the Bible which carries a health warning upon it. Um, The prohibition is not upon commentary or speculation. Rather, it is in the adding of additional embellishments or concepts which the text does not allow. Let the text say what it says. Do not add additional personal prophetic interjections. This message indeed, this book, comes from Jesus himself. So let's not add or diminish what it says. Revelation twenty-two nineteen, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Now, this is a really scary warning. The preceding verse was bad enough, but now the prohibition is against taking away from the words. Now, this, according to Jesus, is utterly unacceptable. This is a scary warning, seeing, if I may be bold to say, as some people in church history have wanted the book of Revelation removed from the canon of Scripture. So far, or so for example, Martin Luther wanted to remove Hebrews, James, Jude and Revelation, or at least call them the disputed books. So in his own translation, he placed these books separately at the end of his New Testament. And there was some consternation, but not much, in the book of Revelation being added, even added to the canon of scripture back in the day. It was finally added in AD 400 as the last book, yet over the centuries it continued to draw much criticism. Yet despite the so called cleverness of man who thinks the book of Revelation to be a questionable book of stuff and nonsense, it is nevertheless uh, in the style of typical apocalyptic literature such as daniel ezekiel etc this book has stood the test of time but let's not be foolish and and never even talk about it or teach on it um for in doing so we are sorry i'm I'm confused with my own words here this book has has obviously stood the test of time but we've got to be careful here because uh, if i'm honest with you there are lots of churches and lots of christians that will not talk about it, that will not teach on it, will not preach on it. And so in so doing, we are kind of omitting the book, which carries a severe health warning stating, do not omit from this book. Let us read it and be blessed by it, even if it does confuse us. I mean, the book of Revelation is a tricky book. It's difficult to understand. But nevertheless, we are encouraged to read it and we are encouraged to study it and we're encouraged to live it, its doctrine as well. So let us read it and be blessed by it, even if it does confuse us. Let's be careful not to omit it and pretend it's not important, for it is the only book in the Bible given by Christ himself personally from heaven. <clears throat> Revelation twenty two twenty. he who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Here we come to a liturgical benediction to close this wonderful book of Revelation. Jesus is the one who testifies to the things spoken and written down, for his words are faithful and true, and he can swear by no one greater than himself. His word is his bond. For more on that, see Revelation 21 verse 5 and Hebrews 6 13. <coughs> In the second half of this verse, we have the bride calling out in response to her soon coming bridegroom. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's almost like an antiphon in response. And this has a similar feel to 1 Corinthians 16, Maranatha, O Lord, come. Now, this all has similar overtones to the parable also of the 10 virgins in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. And in verse 6, it says, but at midnight, there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. And then verse 10b states, and those who were ready went in with him. That's the bridegroom to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Revelation 22:21. the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. And finally, the book closes with the final benediction. The verse ends with the words, Amen which would have caused a vocal response from the hearers of the book when it was read out in the various churches. As the congregations heard the word Amen or so be it, they would reply back, they would reply back with another, Amen, so be it. By stating this, they were agreeing with God's word and affirming its validity, warnings and hope. Let's not forget the first part of the verse which states, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, or be with you all. This is not just a nice way of ending the letter. Rather, this is a promise from Christ Himself, stating that His grace, His riches, His covenantal favour, power, and covenantal obligations are ours and toward us until the very end of the age. This has similar echoes with Matthew 28, verse 20b And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christ has promised that he will be with us until the end of the age. He has blessed us with the Holy Spirit, John sixteen seventeen. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, Ephesians 1, 3. His grace and favor are towards us and he has promised to never fail us or forsake us, Hebrews 13, verse 5. And thus ends the book of Revelation. God bless you all. Amen.